Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Burr, host of the Basketball Power Hour. And I wanted to um, just clarify something real quick. This episode is a little shorter than our usual is fair. And that's because Caleb and I recorded a mega episode where we discussed the finals game and restricted free agency and contract extensions for the 18 and 19 draft classes, respectively. So that final product ended up being about two hours long. And because I didn't want to cut anything from that, and because, (laughs) you know, I felt really good about where we landed, I just decided to split it into two episodes. Obviously, the game discussion is much more pertinent than any off-season discussion, despite the bevy of rumors that go around this time of year when there's no days between basketball games, right? This is Thursday. I'm recording this a few hours after Caleb and I recorded, but Caleb and I came to the decision that it would probably be best (laughs) to split this up. So if you're listening to this, um, please make sure you check it out. Be on the lookout for our crossover episode next week, and I'll be back with the intro after (laughs) we didn't really end this episode the right way. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I am not joined by my good friend, J.D. Hall. I am not joined by my good friend, Ellen Hughes, but I am joined by my great friend, Caleb Lynn. Caleb, I don't think we'll have time for a curveball this week, but are there any thoughts you would like to start the audience with? Um, just in general or basketball related or what? It, it could be anything wild card since I don't have a curveball at the moment. Um, I, I uh, go USA gymnastics. Uh, I hope that they win, uh, that those gymnasts uh, can can end up uh, succeeding and succeeding in that case, be able to get at least something for uh, the, the damage that, uh, Nasser has caused and infiltrated uh, into U.S. gymnastics. Uh, the toxicity uh, that he has brought uh, is absolutely atrocious, and uh, I, I hope that uh, these gymnasts uh, can can at least prove to people um, that and, and and stand up for uh, what was what was horrible from Larry Nasser. So. Uh, that's that's my curveball. And honestly, I thought that was a curveball you were going to get. I'm not going to lie. No, I, I'm not going to lie. The curveballs have been harder to come by. I feel like I've used good. a lot of them. So that's a really good way to start. Um, just some quick context. Caleb's referring to you, um, Simone Biles and the rest of the gym, gymnasts who were abused by Larry Nasser are suing the FBI for a billion dollars for not investigating this when yeah. they had information sooner. And it is a disgrace, and I hope they get every single cent. On that very somber note, let's go ahead and get started into the basketball. Caleb, game three was last night. The Celtics won 116 to 100 behind. It was a really, I thought everyone except a certain person played a good game. We'll talk about that in a second. But Tatum had 26, nine, nine assists, six rebounds. Jalen Brown, 27 points, nine rebounds, five assists. Marcus Smart, 24.7 rebounds, five assists. I feel like when they have that kind of balance, it's not good for the Warriors because no, it's not. the Warriors Warriors got good games from Steph and Clay last night and the usual Wiggins game, right? They got 31 from Steph. They got 25 from Clay in probably Clay's best game since the last round. I mean, not probably, easily his best game since the last round. And then Wiggins put up 18 and seven. But 
Caleb, what was your overall impression of the game last night? You better be panicked, Golden State. You better be panicked because offensively, I, you cannot give me a better script. If you sit here and tell me Steph Curry is going to go for 30 points, Clay Thompson's going to look the best he's looked, taking smart and efficient shots. I understand it was seven for 17, but you know, for people who listen to Lynn Sandy, they know how I feel about Clay Thompson. Wiggins looked strong, attacked, did things in the correct way, and maybe some shots fall for him from three, but this is, this is an offensive blueprint. And I, from an offensive standpoint, I just don't think that if you're the Warriors, you can ask for much more than what they're getting. I think they're going to have, this is a script for them. And then Boston said, okay, Rob Williams, you're back, which is a complete and total X factor to Boston's run. As everyone has pointed out, you have Horford with the fish and shooting who played like trash in game two. And ah, smart had the quietest 24, seven and five game ever. So, I mean, if, if you're getting if you're getting the typical production from the stars balance, like you said, Boston's getting. I just feel like something's got to really change for Golden State to win, because. If you would have given me this script for the Warriors, I would have said they probably would have won. They didn't. So and I don't know if that's on the road. I don't know. I don't know what to fully attest that to. But I did think that this was the kind of script that they would win on. I would tend to agree with that. Um, it's it's funny. You said a quiet Marcus Smart game. It almost never feels like that, right? It feels like there's right. some loud shots. But I, I think Marcus Smart is a front runner. If you have like a 10 point lead, he is a lot more likely to make shots than if you're behind, if you're down 10, just because he has a lot of positive momentum on his side. It just seems to be that way. He's very he's very streaky, as we know, and will hit a three like down 13 to bring it to 10. But then he'll miss his next like three from distance. I think, like you said, the Warriors got a balanced attack, but Draymond has just been non-existent for the most part. Yesterday, fouls out, only has three assists, four rebounds. The Warriors as a whole got out-rebounded 47 to 31. And 15 of those rebounds came on the offensive glass for the Celtics. So really, if you just take out the offensive rebounds, the Celtics still out-rebounded the Warriors. Because <laughs> it was 32 to 31 in the, just defensive rebounds. It was a master clinic from the Celtics. They were hitting the glass hard and funny. It's funny, Caleb, because normally what do you say when you beat the Warriors at their own game, right? Oh, you went small, you spaced the floor exactly and you right. hit a barrage of threes. This playoffs, they beat the Warriors at their own game. How the Warriors have been winning mm-hmm. this playoffs by hitting the offensive glass. They only had six offensive rebounds yesterday. And Kevon Looney, who only played 17 minutes, got three of those. So if you take out his 17 minutes, they had three offensive rebounds, one from Porter, one from Wiggins, one from Draymond. That is not going to get it done against this Celtics team. You have to either force turnovers, which the the Celtics only had 12 turnovers yesterday. They managed to take pretty good care of the ball. Um, the Warriors also 16 turnovers. But I don't have they points turn it off. over. Warriors turn it over. And they both teams did the Warriors turned it over a little more than the Celtics. You have against the Celtics team, you're not going to score on them in the half court most times, right? 
if you're an exceptional offensive player, you will, right? Like if you're Steph Curry, you will. If you're Giannis Antetokounmpo, you will. If you're Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler, right? Those guys have been shown to overcome Boston's defense. But the others, the others need you to get out in transition. You need to take advantage of the Celtics being discombobulated in transition defense. Not saying their transition defense isn't great, but that's literally the only way you can generate points against this team. You need to make them, if the Celtics just play controlled, they don't lose. We've seen that time and time again. They are like, what was the reason Milwaukee came back in that series, right? Or not in that series, in game five. It's because Boston started playing careless. And Drew Holiday and Bobby Portis took advantage, and obviously so did Giannis, right? Same with every single game the Heat won, with the exception of game six, (laughs) was because the Celtics didn't take care of the basketball. You have to make them pay for their what few mistakes they make. And it's a testament to Ime Udoka that this team is so disciplined on defense <laughs> that you have to beat them through other means. But Caleb, you can't beat this team in a half court game. You're just never going to do like no. no team has done that this whole playoffs. No, no, I, I think it's a challenge. I think they're look, I, you know, I, I think, you know, the Warriors script is to do what you're talking about, making Boston careless. But the problem is they're careless. <laughs> the problem is the Warriors are careless, and and it's not just this season. Uh, they're they're not. They've really always been a team that, you know, you sit there and you're like, man, bad pass or miscommunication on a cut because of the way that they play and the movement of which they play. I, I think if I think if you're, you know, in the lane of thinking that if you're going to try to think of a script for Boston to be able to, you know win this series. Um, I agree with you hundred percent on the rebounding, but specifically what I would really dig into when you look at the rebounding numbers is every starter finished with at least six rebounds. That is a gigantic recipe for success. I don't care what team you play for. If your starters from point guard to center have six rebounds in a game, that is incredibly difficult to not win. That is hard to not win. When every guy does that. And like you said, Alex, the Warriors are going big. So you could, you you know, in the past when they, when they were going small, they would maybe give up on stuff like that, but they're not giving up. They're technically not supposed to be giving up that, you know, they're like you said, they're getting beat by their own game. Rob Williams really found himself. Maybe he's a little more healthy uh, because that looked like the Rob Williams that I think people thought he could be heading into this playoffs as we watched the second half of Boston's regular season. Uh, I, I just think that the way in, in which they're playing, the assertiveness of which they're playing um, it is just it is a testament to their growth, a testament to honestly incredible front office management uh, by Brad Stevens uh, because he's basically stuck with his guys. He believed in that roster and, and he's reaping the rewards. They're in the NBA finals. They're up two to one and they, 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 who knows they could win. They could go up three, one. I like them to win. If you go three, one, I think that, that you could argue that they'll win the series. I would agree. Um, I don't know if they will win game four. I'm still not as bullish on that. I still, I'm not standing down for my Boston and six prediction. I look really smart today, but as we've seen before, right. Teams can come down from down to one to win the series. So sure, sure. there is a, some kind of stat where if it, the series is tied one, one, the team who wins game three wins X percent of the time, but 
you know, the finals are such a small sample size that it's not like I would care to listen right. to that stat like it has any kind of noise. Yeah. Um, I just feel, Caleb, like the Celtics, the, they can only beat themselves at this point mm. because they're really disciplined, but sometimes they'll just like, sometimes the Warriors movement is so tough that they, I thought they did a really good job guarding Curry last night. I'll say they did that. a great job. There was one play where Steph shook Grant Williams out of his shoes, but you noted he guarded Steph amazing that whole time. Steph just is an all-time player and all-time yeah. players can create space on amazing defense, right? Yeah. That's not a knock on Grant Williams. That's not just, oh, Steph Curry is a legend. And I feel like we're going to get one more Steph game, right? I don't see a way the Warriors don't drag this to at least six. But I was texting you last night too, Caleb. Mm-hmm. Other than the big three for the Warriors, and I know it's not like a big three in the traditional sense because they're mm-hmm. all those guys. Some of those guys are starting to fall off or coming off of two-year injuries. Other than the big three, Lumini didn't play much in the 19 playoffs. Mm-hmm. They don't have a whole lot of big game, like big being down at a series experience on this team. They really kind of coasted through these playoffs in a sense. And I think that could come back to bite them. This is like what I was telling you. The Celtics kept getting punched in the face, right? They took Giannis's best punch. They took Giannis's best punch twice. Twice. (laughs) And they still won the series. They took Jimmy Butler's best punch multiple times. Jimmy Butler had an amazing series. Yeah, he really struggled game threes through five last series. Games one, two, six, and seven. Jimmy Butler was the best player on that court. I agree. And they won that series. This... The Warriors haven't taken a punch like that. What, what other than the jaw game, oh, right? Gosh. And then Ja proceeds to get hurt the next game. Yeah. What punches have they taken in this playoffs? I, I they, mean, yeah, nothing. Because you think about it. Like, you go to the Denver series. Um, I mean, Jokic played very good, uh, but, but it never felt like it was necessarily a knockout punch. Uh, and, and, you know, with Dallas... I mean, obviously, Luca had his way, uh, but again, I don't think anything of what Luca was doing was a knockout punch. Uh, and you know, as I've said on Wednesday, I definitely believe Golden State got bailed out by the Giant injury because you saw the Grizzlies starting to get some confidence, and any young team with confidence in the history of sports and that are great like that normally really cause problems. You go back to, and you can not, this is not just basketball. You go to a lot of different sports, sport that team that came to mind, Alex, for Memphis this season was when Kansas City, when the Kansas City Royals played baseball in 2015, 2016, their team was incredibly young. They had no business, they had no stars, they had no postseason impact. And all of a sudden they just go through, they have Cinderella-like run. These the young guys start developing, developing, developing. And, you know, to me, that was where they were going to get their big punch. And, you know, when Ja got out, it didn't happen. So I, I agree with you. They haven't faced a punch. This is their first real adversity in the playoffs this season. And, you know, look, your guys, your guys got to step up. You know, you, you're playing, you're paying Clay Thompson a whole lot of money. I understand he has two. I'm understanding he's, he's got two years of injuries. I get it, but he needs to be consistent. I'm sorry. He's too up and down. He, he's got to figure out a way to, to, to put up some consistency. You want to be, you want to be ox. You could, you, you know, I will we'll bring some conversation in. We, you know, I I've been very critical. I've been very critical of Thompson on podcasts, but I am critical of clay Thompson because clay Thompson is a top 75 NBA player of all time. 
you hold your, you hold yourself you hold yourself to a standard you hold yourself to a standard where you believe you're a top 75 player of all time so guess what i'm not going any lower than that you think you're a top 75 player of all time i don't give a crap that you didn't come back up that you have two injuries i don't care you're a top 75 player of all time you can be better you can take better shots you can have better shot selection that leads to more efficiency. Your movement is great along itself. So then at that point, it's like, okay, how can I take advantage of all these young pieces like a Jordan Poole? Jordan Poole should be at like 15 to 16 points a game in the finals. Not 10, 15 to 16. And that he can get that, but that, you know, you can't, you can't press. And, and, and to me, Clay Thompson presses too much. In, in last night's game, he didn't press. It was the best he's looked. It was good shots. It made sense. The rhythm of his shots made sense. To me, whenever I've watched Clay Thompson, Alex, you can almost tell five minutes into a game when he's on rhythm or not. It's just, I, maybe that's just me. I'd love to hear your thoughts. But I feel like he's a player I can tell five minutes in whether he's on or whether he's off. I just think he is a very easy player to recognize when he's on rhythm or not. I would counter and say, like, I would agree with you normally, but last night he really got going in the second quarter. Um, he kept them in the game in the second quarter, like two of four from three, three of five from the field, two of two from the free throw line, 10 points. He and Wiggins did a lot of work in that second quarter too, because it looked like the Celtics were going to pull away. And then those two clay was hitting shots, like hitting threes to keep them in the game. And I would tend to agree. I think last night, though, we saw Clay get easy, wide open shots, right? And obviously, they aren't yes. going to leave him wide open like that. But that's the value of hitting the offensive glass is that you can not have to have Clay hit a three off of movement, right. Right? right? I don't think his legs are there yet. I think that's one area where I'll say his legs aren't ready to hit that fadeaway off a handoff, right? Fadeaway three off a handoff. But he definitely, if you give him a wide open shot, he's going to drain it because he's Clay Thompson, right? Yeah. <laughs> and right. I, I think that you need to try to get him wide open looks where he's not moving fade away. And to, to the Celtics credit though, they are guard, like, yes, they are scared of him. You can tell yes. they are making a concerted effort to not let him get going, make all of his threes very hard. Mm-hmm. With the exception of the open ones that I mentioned, but one of those open ones, Caleb, was off an offensive rebound by Draymond. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you part of he the has to he has to be better. But at the same time, Caleb, I think you do have to credit the Celtics defense for being incredibly terrified of him. Like Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not saying I would change. I'm not saying that like you know, it's all on clay. Like, I mean, obviously bought and I, if I played golden state, I'm not saying I still wouldn't respect clay. That's, that's, that's his, like his movement and cutting and all this other jazz that he creates is definitely problematic. But my point is if, if you, for somebody that is a multiple, multiple time champion, and a player that believes he's a top 75 player of all time, he should recognize when his shot's not right. He should recognize when his shot's not right and how he can figure out other ways to get things going. Golden State has movement. Their players bought into movement. 
been the program, been in their DNA for like six, seven years. So to me, it's not an issue of like, oh, you know, none of the players are doing that anymore. None of the players are creating movement, yada, yada, yada. To me, it's, it's just how can they, you know, really scheme up? How can Clay recognize, okay, this is a good look for me. And like you said, off movement fadeaway threes. I mean, I don't understand it. If I was Steve Kerr, I would be like, what are you doing? Semifinals. I don't need you shooting off, th- off fadeaway movement threes. I don't care where. I don't care if it's your favorite spot. I don't care if it's corner. I don't care if it's top of the key. I don't care. I think they've got to figure out a way to hone that down. And, and honestly, Alex, I, it wouldn't, it's, he's, he may, he might, he has, he's got to be one of the five best players for the Warriors in this series. And I understand that that seems very simple, but his, I really think his stats are deceiving because I think when you watch this guy and you just watch him and you don't have any stats and you know nothing, the Warriors to me, like last night was a great example. You could tell his impact was all over the game. I I need to see that more. I need to see that more. I need to see that a lot more. Here's a question for you. And this is going to change subject rapidly, but it is still a Warriors question. Yeah. This is, I, you know, I have given Kerr credit all playoffs. You know, I'm not the biggest Kerr guy, but you know, I have given him credit through the playoffs, but at a certain point, like, why not try your young guys, right? I think Moody's looked great. I think Moody's a guy. I think Moody's a guy who could have played all these playoffs. All I don't of think, these playoffs. I don't think he should have really been attached to the bench. I think Kuminga needs to play this series. I don't think you can play Draymond 35 minutes a game at this point. I thank you. And get the best Draymond. I think you need to play him like 30 minutes a game, save him yep. for the fourth. Yeah. And let Kuminga, let Kuminga be like kind of a long reliever. Right. He right. has right. to use another baseball analogy. He's the most athletic player in the series. I don't really think that's a debate. No, nope. he gets dunks every single time he's on the court somehow, mm-hmm. some way. And we saw Andrew Wiggins a couple times yesterday, break free using some of the moves. I mean, obviously it's a different comparison, right? Cause Andrew Wiggins was a top option. So he has moves, yeah. but we saw Andrew Wiggins use a couple moves to get easy dunks, right? You need easy baskets. <laughs> right. And I think Kuminga, I don't think Moody will be the option to unlock that, right? I think Moody, you want to talk about a guy who I think could take a big second year leap. I think Moody could end up being like, a, if not a starter, then like a really good six man good. for them next year. Yeah. But Kuminga, I, I just, Caleb, it feels like they need him to be, it just feels like they need an infusion of athleticism, right? Because totally let's just go through, agree. let's go through the minutes, right? Wiggins. Yeah your most athletic player not named Kuminga plays 40 minutes. And that's about how much he should be out there. Yes, he can handle it. He's been amazing this whole playoffs. Yeah. Um, Clay Thompson, 39 minutes. Not like he looked good last night. So I don't blame them. Steph, 37 minutes. Um, Draymond, 35 minutes. And he would have played more if he hadn't fouled out. Kevin Looney, 16 minutes and 49 seconds. Jordan Poole, 24 minutes. Otto Porter, 21 minutes. Gary Payton, another guy I would play more, 11 mm-hmm. minutes. I, agree. And I, I understand the concerns with Payton's spacing, but like <laughs> just use him how they use Bruce Brown. Just I right. like cut really smart. Mm-hmm. I, I just, Caleb, I don't like what Steve Kerr's done with his rotation this series. And yeah, they won the last game, but they won the last game because they got 
absolutely stupid on fire in the third quarter. I agree. I, I what have you thought about Kerr's rotations this series? Um, I've really liked Kerr uh, in the playoffs. I think he's a um, very good coach. I know you're lower on him than most. I I very much like him. Uh, but it's, I, my big thing is this is the uh, championship where I think Kerr can really like, this is like the lead to your resume. Like this is, this is the lead to your resume. You, you, you know, you could argue and a lot, a lot of people have that with given the talent of that 17, 18 teams that from a coaching standpoint, you didn't need anything insane because you had what you already had. Um, the first championship, um, I'd almost argue that was destiny. I know it sounds weird, but I mean, it really felt like it. You just watch it and you just like, it's just a new era of star. And you, you know, it just felt like that, that was going to happen, a switch in the era. Um, to me, this is Steve Kerr's opportunity to cement his legacy. Um, I think he's a great coach. I think he's done a lot, but I also think he's been, you know, handed a lot of advantages that, 30 coaches in the NBA would beg to have. And I, I think this, and I agree with you, the rotations have been weird because as you know, I'm a money guy. So I like to follow money. I like to follow team salaries. And I like to follow contracts. Golden State Warriors have to pay the most luxury tax out of any team in basketball. Golden State Warriors have a roster and, you know, it's deep and deeper than Boston by a mile, by a mile. The players that Golden State is not playing, that are not playing, you could legitimately argue could be on the rotation of Boston. <laughs> you, you can really make an argument that Juan Toscano Anderson could be on the rotation of majority NBA playoff teams. You could argue that a guy like Damian Lee actually might sneak in minutes for some of these teams or sneak or like a Bielitsa type or even like what Bielitsa did. I mean, I can't stand Bielitsa, but what Bielitsa did in game two, like, why aren't you trying to take advantage of that more? He wasn't bad at it. He wasn't bad. Like I was shocked how, how decent he looked. I was surprised at some of the decisions. Like if you're not going to like, if you're going to play Gary Payton 10 minutes a game, please tell me why you brought him back. Exactly. Like, I mean, and, and, and made a huge deal about the whole, like, broke, you know, the, the cope or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. You're only going to play him 10 minutes a game. Okay. I mean, play him like, play him, play him like, play him 15, play him 20 minutes. Moody looked good against Dallas. I agree with you. I don't understand why they faded off of him. I don't really understand why Kam- I would play Kaminga 20 minutes a game. I think he, I would play him, I would play him 20 minutes a game, every game. I don't care the game. I don't care the style of the game because I agree with you. He, he, he brings a certain amount of athleticism. He brings a different look to your team. I don't think he's a horrible shooter. And I think he would help in that regard. He's certainly a better shooter than Draymond. I, I, I think the, I think they could totally use some of this youth. Um, and to be honest with you, I think it's embarrassing that they haven't. Because what's the point in paying the luxury tax for all these guys if you're not going to play all? What's the point? You're going to play. You're going to pay the luxury tax to just play what five, six guys? I mean, Alex, I just, I just don't see that. I don't understand the logic in doing that. I don't either. It's listen. You know, I'm not a Kerr. I'm not a huge Kerr fan, but I can't deny it. they dominated the Western Conference when 
for the majority of this year, not including the regular season when they had all their guys healthy. Yeah. So I am not going to not Kerr for that. But this is like you said, this is a championship round and your coaching decisions are going to get picked apart with a fine, fine tooth comb. Right. It's just going to happen. So. I, I, like you said, I would play the young guys more. You need more athleticism against this Boston team. This Boston team is very athletic. Yes. Um, even Al Horford, right, who is old, he is looking really good as an athlete. So um, credit to Boston for winning the winning two out of three. We'll see how this series yeah. goes. Game four on Friday night. Hello, folks. It's Alex Burr once again. And that episode didn't really get a proper outro. I meant to say outro in the intro, but I'm not I'm not going to delete that. I'm one take kind of guy. Shout out to Clint Eastwood. So make sure you check out all of our awesome followings on the Running Hook Podcast Network. Make sure you check out Linsanity. Linsanity had a banger this week. Um, you know, not a whole lot finals action going on. So they really went in depth on the NFL stuff and... Guys, I, I just don't think there's anyone better <laughs> right now at hitting multiple sports. Like, I don't, listen, I I like a lot of generalists, right? Like in sports media, I don't think there's any generalist better right now than Caleb Lynn and Bryce Shaddy. So you got to check those two out. They're awesome at the podcast. I want to thank Caleb Lynn for coming on this episode. We had a blast doing it. Um, stay on the lookout for the Power Hour next week. Make sure you stay on the lookout for the Power Hours with me and J.D. Hall. And make sure you're on the lookout for Circle City Cinema. Um, Bryce and Zach are back together doing um, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Caleb and I will be joining Bryce and Zach on an episode discussing all the superhero stuff that's going on. You won't want to miss that one. So make sure you keep an eye out. And thank you so much for listening.